हेलो एवरीवन एंड वेलकम टू अवंतिका डिजाइनरिंग सीरीज और एडीएस एस वी लाइक टू कॉल इट एवरी वीक ऑन वेडनेसडे वी फीचर डिजाइन एंड टेक्नोलॉजी लीडर्स हु शेयर दर प्रोफेशनल जर्नी दर थॉट्स ऑन दर डोमेन ऑफ वर्क एंड डिजाइनरिंग वेर द वर्ल्ड ऑफ डिजाइन एंड इंजीनियरिंग मीट मेक श्योर यू फॉलोअर्स ऑन सोशल मीडिया इंस्टाग्राम लिंकड इन फेसबुक एंड ट्विटर एंड विद दैट लेट्स कंटिन्यू विद योर शो For a product to be successful among the millions of its consumers, it needs to be inclusive, and for that, designers need to understand user diversity and take their needs into account. They need to make the product accessible for all kinds of users by balancing subjective and objective thinking to develop the best possible solution. But how can designers? find a balance between subjective and objective thinking to provide great experiences to answer all such questions in this episode we interact with ujwal varma pinamma raju head of design oneplus india with a decade of experience he has worked for oneplus contela meteorite informatics mindtree and paradigm it group he has expertise in fields like user experience design interaction design usability user interface design and product design and that's why on our journey of discovering designering we talk to him about the secret spell of design hi ujwal welcome to avantika designering podcast series it's an honor and pleasure to host you on our show today thank you very much rohit thank you for having me on the show as i was already mentioning uh really appreciate uh, this initiative that you've taken forward so ujwal as an ice breaker question let's start by quoting albert einstein you know he 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 mentioned that the mind that opens to a new idea never returns to its original size on your linkedin profile you have described yourself as a curious mind that seeks innovation the question that i have for you is how do you keep yourself consistently curious and how has it benefited in your professional journey right <laughs> so uh, curiosity to me uh, has been a learning tool or uh, rather a trigger to keep myself in the loop of learning uh, applying and implementing at least now i feel it has become second nature uh, once you start to try and understand interactions around you Uh, you're automatically enthralled into this world of curiosity you know uh, for example we use elevators frequently uh, everyone understands the concept of elevators you go in tap the number for the desired floor get down uh, recall if you had a similar experience in what i'm about to say as well uh, in a scenario where you want to go to the ground floor uh, from let's say 10th floor uh, you may have also observed interactions wherein the odd uncle or a friend of yours uh, clicks on the button to go up Um, to him or her uh, who does this the thought behind it is i want the elevator to come up to me and then i'll tell the system to go down so they call the elevator to their floor and for the rest of us who have tried and tested years ago we know that we tell the elevator which way we want to go and we let the elevator figure it out right but between user a and user b uh, what's missing uh, an experience as routine as this keeps me curious as well and uh, 
that basically benefits me in uh, answering these questions. I just read, observe, and try and implementing, uh, sorry, implement learn, learnings elsewhere. Wow, interesting. And uh, in fact, what also intrigues me, uh, Ujwal, about your life is your transition from being a techie to being a designer today. What motivated you to take up design as a career option? And uh, in fact, could you take us through your professional journey of how did all of this work out for you? Sure, I would love to. Uh, you know, well, from a very young age, I had always found myself uh, interested towards the creative side of things. Uh, the switch actually happened right around the time I was pursuing my bachelor's in electronics and communication. Uh, I had a very keen interest in motorcycles all my life. I still do. Uh, so a friend of mine had recommended me, and let's say uh, recruited in today's terms, <laughs> to a session that Harley-Davidson was hosting in India. Right back at, back then, neither of us knew what this session was really about. Uh, it didn't really matter because I was just excited. I was just too excited, uh, presuming I could ride one. Um, well, there were no motorcycles, but fortunately for me, uh, I was part of a focus group. I was a demographic that they wanted to understand. There were all kinds of sorting exercises, rankings we were supposed to do, uh, discussions among the group. Uh, everything being recorded and towards the end, you know, free lunch and Harley-Davidson goodies. So experiencing the entire process firsthand really intrigued me. Uh, and when I spoke to the host at the end, uh, the thought and reasoning of, you know, weaving things around the users was, you know, well, an epiphany uh, of sorts. So back then, this kind of information or UX as a career path was not mainstream. You know, it did, it did demand a lot of research. From there on, and a year or so later, I was in Edinburgh uh, pursuing my master's uh, in HCI and usability. And the exciting journey still continues. Wow, that's exciting. Uh, before I move to my next question, so have you taken a bike ride to Leh Ladakh already? <laughs> no, not yet. I know that gives you bragging rights, but I don't have those rights yet. No, no, I, I, I neither do. And maybe uh, sometime next year, we could plan that together. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so while you mentioned that you have been an avid traveler, you've also mentioned that you are a ninja and a magician. The question is, how do the latter two skills have helped you shape your design process? I mean, we've definitely heard about how traveling has inspired so many of us with our uh, design thinking, with our skill sets. But what about being a ninja and a magician? <laughs> um, uh, so right around from about uh, fourth to fifth to about when I was in my 10th, I was very busy with, you know, martial arts and magic shows. Uh, I think consciously I wouldn't be able to point precisely how they steer the crea creative process from day to day. Uh, but with respect to ninjutsu, uh, it, I must say, has been the foundation that I believe keeps me agile and one that constantly drives uh, me to be physically active. I mean, a good run in the morning really jumpstarts uh, the whole creative process for me. Uh, and I've been a magician too, and have and had performed quite a few shows in and around Hyderabad while I was still in school. Uh, still an active member of the state magician circle. Uh, we were even part of a Limca book of records uh, way back in 1999. Uh, and magic as an art itself, has always been about understanding uh, how we perceive things and 
how easily our perceptions can be tricked. Um, quite similar to what we do now and kind of helps me critique uh, from a user perspective and, and at times uh, keeps the gap between triggered and expected behaviors in check. Uh, I guess that's the extent of influence that these activities have over my process. Wow, that's really interesting. I think this is the first time uh, that I've come across someone with as interesting hobby as, you know, doing magic. And at the same time, uh, creating magic with his designs at uh, one of the leading, uh, you know, mobile handset manufacturing companies uh, out there today uh, in in the world. So that's that's really interesting. And while we uh, touched upon OnePlus, well, my next question is on that. OnePlus creates beautifully designed products. And I can say that because I'm a OnePlus user. Uh, obviously, with premium build quality and brings the best technology to users worldwide. My question is, what is the design philosophy at OnePlus? Uh, so there are multiple facets to design within OnePlus. You know that when brought together, give you the kind of experience uh, OnePlus products are known for. Uh, all of these are primarily and deeply rooted to the needs uh, and insights derived from our core users. With respect to OS design, uh, whether it was the early version or the latest one, it has always followed the principles of bold and clean. Uh, functionally, it is to be efficient and reliable, uh, above and beyond the basic experience, of course. Uh, while fast and smooth has been our experience goal, uh, something that our OnePlus's Oxygen OS is famous for. Uh, and seamless or rather burdenless is a philosophy that we work towards, wherein technology serves the user and the experiences cherished throughout the uh, you know extended use of product, uh, not just on day one. Hey, did you know the company's motto, never settle, is an ideology that comes from the fact that users shouldn't have to settle for a substandard phone just because they do not have a massive budget to upgrade. Well, that's interesting. I think... Uh... Something that I'm definitely, definitely hooked about is the entire user experience uh, with respect to uh, the product itself. But not just the product, I think what is really interesting about OnePlus are your experiences stores as well. So we have one in my city and it's an amazing place to actually go and hang out. Um, in fact, I would rather say that I don't go to a OnePlus store to only buy a product, but you go there to drink great coffee, uh, you know, meet with like-minded people, um, uh, you know, uh, go out there, play around with, you know, OnePlus devices. I think it's, 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 it's a beautiful concept out there. The question that I have for you, Ajwal, is what's the company's vision there? How is um, all of these amazing experiences stores shaping um, and providing a unique customer experience to to, to the OnePlus users? Uh, so the experience is always uh, a holistic way of looking at things. So every touch point, uh, if you have the right experience, it also kind of reflects uh, in the technology that you're using. Uh, so we want to bring the same level of experience that we have on our phones to the stores as well. Uh, the aim of our experience stores has always been to provide the best service, uh, a way for us to communicate that the smallest details matter and uh, in a way, put users' worries at, at bay. 
not just as an employee but as a customer as well i had recently experienced this first and uh, when i had to get the uh, broken screen replaced on my mom 70 uh, so situations like like these the unfortunate ones unfortunate ones uh, but bound to happen uh, it gets you anxious and you don't know if the data is backed up when the screen doesn't work uh, you're on a fix right so we were at the store uh, we received a standard code which is you know publicly available information the screen was replaced within an hour and there was no need to find a replacement phone usually you would have to restore a backup to a different phone wait for the phone to uh, wait, wait for the other phone to arrive from the service center right and one hour and it was like the same phone uh, that's an experience to talk about right wow interesting and i think in today's uh, time when all of us are trying to catch attention in terms of um, creating differentiation i think such unique experiences uh, really help in creating that impact in fact you know ujwal moving from the world of oneplus uh, to the domain that you operate in and uh, here are my next few questions for you innovation is the future delivered my question is do you think the old traditional linear thinking and organized knowledge could lead to innovation as well mm, so i would say what linear thinking or organized knowledge uh, does give you is an innate understanding of the domain uh, without which your questions could be irrelevant at times or unproductive within the context of an outcome you know because innovation is all about <laughs> outcome uh, or the idea of producing the uh, result in new ways uh, but having said that linear thinking alone uh, definitely may not get us to the future Uh, the variable or the x in ingredient could be your perspective of looking at things uh, one way to encourage or nurture this in meetings brainstorm sessions or even classrooms uh, is to abolish that there could be only one correct answer you know oftentimes you see that a lot of the participants are silent or reluctant to share their ideas because of this fear uh, and i believe this is an indirect effect uh, caused due to the linear train of thoughts or knowledge Uh, our knowledge acquisition uh, uh, methodology that we are so used to yeah interesting and uh, that's a very unique take on how do you think about uh, building innovation so jul my my next question is what are some of the ways to build innovative products uh, from coming up with fresh ideas getting buy in and plotting your path to success can you can you share and throw some light on how do you build innovative products Yeah, sure. Right. Uh, I think this is a very extensive and broad topic, uh, which I believe, which I believe should have a podcast episode of its own. But I'll try and answer this in two parts. Uh, first one covering the ideas and uh, buying. So first and foremost would be to have a deep and thorough understanding of the principles in the specific domain or field we are talking about. Uh, secondly, to identify the right problem or idea, idea, uh, which I which I know is not a straightforward or much of an answer. um some clues that could help could be uh, look at problems based on uh, impact on your users uh, or humanity in general and uh, practical solutions that can be executed uh, collate insight from users for specifically specifically for whom the innovation is meant to help uh, and problems that you feel passionate about um, these these would cover most of the categories of ideas Uh, but something that's crucial is to nurture a collaborative environment 
uh, within interdisciplinary fields i think this could this is the second part that i'm going to talk about uh, this could be weekly informal discussions with teams uh, from different verticals and selling your idea be as non technical as you can when explaining your idea if you are unable to you should have already identified gaps uh, that need to be bridged right away uh, now let me put the three points that i mentioned into context whenever we, we want to come up with new products we you know we schedule workshops with all our stakeholders together which is development product design testing operations and sometimes top management too uh, we bring the research to the table which is based off of user insights and needs uh, we also outline the constraints and guidelines we should be working with um, the room is then divided into groups with one specific area as focus uh, now what this does uh, is uh, this brings different perspectives to the table um, these kind of can give you problems and uh, unique ways to solve them uh, if you break the situation down the two parts that we've just covered uh, different teams understand define and collaborate uh, to identify problems and innovate on new products right so and then <laughs> to and, and another way to repeat this as to set yourself for the path to success would be um, execute execute and execute uh, don't let ideas just be on paper have a roadmap to execute and that's how you repeat uh, your innovation and that's how you learn from past mistakes and you kind of uh, move on well that's interesting i mean uh, the experimental uh the experimental way to you know keep uh, keep keep coming closer to what really our customer wants i think it's a it's a it's a process that's been practiced since quite some time by quite some companies and a lot of innovative products have been introduced in uh past couple of years around the philosophy so yeah well said uh moving to my next one which well uh to design for accessibility means to be inclusive to the needs of your users understanding those needs is the key to crafting better and more accessible experiences for them the question that I, that i have for you is how do you go about understanding the myriad of users and their needs i mean there are so many customers and how do you actually understand each one of them and inculcate uh, you know elements in your products that that actually uh, addresses everyone's requirements hmm. yeah I- i think uh, a truly accessible design is one uh, that doesn't require a special adaptation or uh, modification to an existing version uh, accessibility specific to design had mostly been perceived to be accommodating people with disabilities it has now more than ever been evident from documented data that these principles can be extended to benefit everyone while there are like you rightly mentioned a myriad of users i feel there are four Uh, core tenants that can help make your designs accessible i mean uh, the four would be perceptibility operability uh, simplicity and forgiveness uh, if i have to expand these well perceptibility is designed regardless of uh, sensory abil- abilities uh, if you have to uh, name a real world example uh, you know when you are right about the edge of the flight of stairs or just about to cross the road uh, protruding patterns on the floor of pavements like circular dots uh, which protrude out right these communicate precisely to anyone with or without vision right similarly sensory feedback of your car seat uh, as you recline or incline uh, your seat uh, when electrically adjusting one can push outwards or inwards 
you know, to understand the perceived effect. And when you talk about the second tenant, which is operability, this is just regardless of physical abilities. Um, if you could look around, uh, uh, if the do- a door level, sorry, a door lever uh, could be operated with a closed fist or an elbow as well, right? Um, we usually use our uh, palms and kind of open it up. But is this true with your door knobs as well, the circular door knobs? Can you use your uh, fist or an elbow to open it? Uh, so operability kind of comes in there. Uh, and simplicity um, is where everyone can easily understand uh, and use the uh, design regardless of, th- of their focus level, so the literacy or prior experience. So, uh, for example, one of the things that we've done in our flight mode is in the quick settings, if you open the flight mode, uh, uh, the flight icon takes off the runway or lands back, uh, reflecting which mode you are in. So it doesn't need any prior experience. It kind of clearly tells you the flight takes off, it has to take off, right? So, and the fourth tenant I would say is forgiveness. Uh, minimize the occurrence and consequence of errors. Uh, so basically removing ambiguity in your actions. And a straightforward example uh, would be the undo in Gmail. Uh, in, in cases that you uh, send an email to Thrash, it kind of quickly says undo. Or if you send an email and you can, if there's a typo, you you can just say undo. So that's, that's the uh, forgiveness. Uh, so if you could have a milestone check uh, in your product lifecycle, for these uh, tenants, you are making your designs accessible for sure, uh, or at least improving to a certain degree. And while we are talking about, you know, accessibility to everyone, you know, inclusivity expands our thinking about problems that are going out there and worth solving. It sparks our creativity to think in new ways in partnership with new people out there. The question that I have for you, Ajwal, is how can designers adopt an inclusive design mindset to approach fresh user experience challenges with a desire to learn and grow. So inclusivity also, uh, so one of the outcomes of inclus- inclusivity is uh, accessibility, like we uh, already discussed. Uh, but one of the most important things a designer can do uh, would be to set up a channel with their users. Uh, oftentimes a persona is just not enough because they're in one, one way or the other biased towards a result. Uh, basically here at OnePlus, we are lucky to have a vast group of our users who are immensely supportive and we make sure we involve them in every step of the way. Uh, from forums to open beta or closed beta, we constantly connect with them on various levels. Um, in fact, we have, we have what we call an open ears forum where we invite our users and discuss on this on some key uh, directions of on our roadmap. Uh, the insights from these sessions help us understand them even further. Uh, from service to user validation, every feedback is looped right back into our designs. Because uh, when we talk about uh, inclusivity, it is not just uh, it it not just covers disabilities, uh, but also diverse circumstances and digital exclusions, which basically we can only understand if we talk to uh, users constantly. If we include those users within our uh, design cyclic cycle, um, and rightly said, uh, there is a lot we have learned, and as well we keep learning from our users. Uh, the method that we've employed not just uh, helps us solve a large number of experiences uh, via validation, of course, but it does also probe us with a lot of interesting new challenges. Uh, and that keeps us in the learning groove and basically expanding our practice. Wow, interesting. In fact, uh, Ujwal, a great designer's defining skill is their ability to balance subjective and objective thinking when making design and product decisions. I'm sure that 
you would also be blending these things. Subjective thinking obviously is evident at the initial stages, whereas um, objective thinking is apparently towards the end. What I wish to know is how can designers develop the ability to perceive and interpret both subjectivity and objectivity to create great experiences? So um, designers, like it or not, will have to constantly make decisions uh, uh, and hence frameworks, guidelines and research to guide them are extremely important. Uh, they should always be objective thinking uh, in the initial uh, definition of a product I feel, uh, wherein you plan the roadmap on the basis of data, uh, requirements and needs. Uh, and I can't wait to get started attitude would only loop a designer uh, in circles later on. You know, depending on the size of the project, uh, we could divide the decision making into two broad categories. Uh, one, the end-to-end product experience and uh, two, the visual aspect that pushes the experience even further. Uh, first category would consist of analysis, surveys, research, attitudes, and behavioral psychology. Um, you know, we're understanding users, their biases, their tech literacy, uh, etc. And then uh, defining the experience framework and consequentially the flow. I mean, and the second category could input from the first in terms of color theories, mood boards, and uh, basically validating visual styles. What this um, essentially does is it lets us build a design system and a visual guideline around it. Uh, this negates a lot of day-to-day subjective decisions uh, among the team and with the designer as well. So they don't have to uh, every single day think of if you want to push that CTA 10 pixel up or 20 pixel down. Uh, okay, so that's taken off your cognitive load. So having said that, an approach like this only reduces the number of uh, choices, uh, but these choices are informed ones. Uh, but there would still be a level of subjective thinking involved. Um, towards the end, it just becomes uh, you know, that much easier to gauge the experience and be that much closer to user uh, expectations. Uh, but to subjective thinking in a way is good to have as well, uh, but in controlled situations. Hey, did you know OnePlus also set a Guinness World Record title of the most people unboxing a phone simultaneously on the launch of the OnePlus 60. Interesting. And while we've been talking about experiences, a um, few of the things that we cannot, um, you know, stop talking about these days are devices like Amazon Echo, Siri. All of them have prompted zero user interface by getting away from the touch screen and interfacing in more natural ways. In fact, screens are going to stop being the primary way we interact with devices around us. The question that I have for you is, what's the next step after zero user interface? What happens when our devices finally understand us better than we know ourselves? Hmm. I think mobile processing has uh, just reached its tiniest form factor. You know, now we're a minuscule uh, 5nm and Moore's law has also kind of predicted where we are at right now. And so only new materials and some solid breakthroughs can move us past these barriers. Uh, therefore, we are talking about an era uh, beyond current computational prowess uh, before we move, move completely to zero UI and further. Um, other than tech, we should always understand that there are commercial motivations and uh, human policies to keep the progress in check. While we are all super excited for the future, I feel we are going to 
look at screens for a while but the form factors and the way we look at them could change uh, from now foldable to maybe modular and then augmented form factors of course uh, but if i were to put all of this aside and venture into the possibility where devices understand us better than ourselves uh, i could imagine wearables uh, understanding us at uh, deeper and bionic levels you know supporting optimum function uh, um, and interfaces pre catch to your next action um, i i would i would love to have something like you know friday javis or veronica the ai assistants <laughs> to the fictional character Mr. Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man. I have to put in a Marvel reference, of course. So there's this scene that I love in Avengers Age of Ultron, if you could recall, uh, the fight between Hulk and Hulkbuster, uh, where Iron Man's suit needs repair, but Stark calls for help, but doesn't specify where there needs to be repair. Uh, Veronica just sends over the arm. So that's the kind of understanding uh, I'm looking at, but uh, it's a long way down. It's a... advanced nlps only can get you there wow listeners that was the magician in ujwal talking as far as the last bit was concerned <laughs> <laughs> all right so while we are talking about um, you know great user experience uh, ujwal a uh, great design shapes the user's expectation around the boundaries of technology our relationship with technology defines that human beings desire experiences that are driven by technology what are your views on this and do you think technology must be designed strictly around what people want um right i uh, i've always had a different take on this uh, uh, it does shape the expectations around the boundaries uh, but for a very short while i mean if history is any proof uh, once users begin to use them and they begin to perceive it as common knowledge um, or being the new regular there is immense demand from the users Uh, to innovate and push further you know often we've seen niches and gaps where in tech firms couldn't focus on you know but there was a need from users and these products have grown to saturation think of the action camera market uh, from gopros to insta 360s to dji drones right mm. i wouldn't say uh, uh, they must be designed uh, strictly around uh, but either way technology finds its way uh, to its users so now when it does we should be responsible to design these uh, for human experiences is what i feel interesting so jewel while thinking of user experience we often think of a simple beautiful and easy to use feature set of product that makes the user's life easier but as a matter of fact features are merely a small fragile part of the product itself thinking in product means thinking in specific users problems in jobs to be done in goals and in revenues the question that i have is what are your views about this right from from an experience standpoint uh, i would definitely say it is not uh, just fixed on to the product itself uh, or uh, a simple set of features like you were mentioning it it is an entire ecosystem of experience where right from uh, let's say when the user comes out and we uh, from an os design perspective let's say uh, it's really well done now when we take the same example of our experience store as well uh, we kind of uh, put the feature sets or the kind of products that we are working on 
also translated onto the physical world as well so when you go to the uh, experience stores as well you will see that the kind of experience that we're giving there so what does happen is uh, once the os is good once the service is uh, service at the center is good a, a word of mouth kind of prevails and that kind of loops back to us so this is let's say talking phone as a product it does apply to the digital mediums as well uh, for example uh, I, i could take an example of uh, paytm uh, uh, money uh, recently and then uh, it has beautifully solved uh, something like opening a dmat account where all you have to do is in 5 minutes uh, you uh, update your pan card you update your aadhar card and in 5 minutes you have a dmat account now you can buy ipo now you can invest in stocks uh, and and all of that right uh, but now you look at it right it's a it's a set of features but in the background what has worked is they've worked with so many um, you know sebi they worked with sebi they worked with a lot of institutions in the background to make your experience better so the entire thing around it kind of becomes that big holistic approach uh, towards a, towards towards your experience and that is the only thing that can differentiate regular products uh and the and the products out there you know and the, the products that are benchmarks out there so in terms of experience uh, this is what is needed and while we have been talking about technology while mobile technologies are recognized as flexible and powerful tools that can augment human cognition but habitual involvement with these devices may have a negative and lasting impact on users ability to think remember pay attention and regulate emotion what are the ways to induce positive emotion in our users as we design any user experience i think true we've seen a lot of companies already uh, working really hard towards reducing this impact uh, if you're someone who's building new products then you should uh, focus on being uh, you know ethical being keeping users first uh, and, and having an ads next approach uh focus on optimum usability you know like we talked about audit for uh, accessibility is core tenets and uh, i think right now emphasize heavily on privacy which is very important and then um, or support our users in their mental health as well uh, and if you're someone who are looking at improving on existing product uh, and you know nurturing positive emotions uh engage your users through you know personalization customization right and delight users with uh, relatable and expressive illustrations uh, positive tone of reactions uh, animations and sounds uh, bring out witty humor we all talk about uh, dunzo's witty notification right uh, use micro interactions to bring the ui uh, to life you know one of the uh, examples is a recent implementation uh, on the aod or the always on display Uh, we collaborated with students at uh, Parson School of Design, uh, wherein the students saw the AOD as a gatekeeper of their phone. You know, if they thought uh, if they could make a positive impact on the on the lock screen, uh, they could manage uh, the device usage. So they proposed a design with a line down the center, which is broken every time you use your phone, you know, and and the unlock counter. Uh, this way, you can user at a glance see how their daily usage is going and. help them maybe endlessly not pick up their phone and use it so that's uh, one of the way we are also trying to see uh, you know uh, encourage uh, entertain i mean sorry encourage our users to you know use it when you need it interesting and absolutely well said 
In fact, that which will brings us to our last question uh, for the show. That at Avantika University, we coined a term called as designering, which is the base ideology that we operate on, uh, the blended approach of design and engineering. The question that I have is, how is this blend of all design plus technology helping you to create a different user experience for your customers? I think if you do continue to keep yourself uh, updated with technology, uh, it does give you an edge uh, in terms of the solutions you can come up with. Uh, and these would often, often be you know, uh, practical and executable solutions uh, since you understand the tech constraints. I think in hindsight, this has been most evident to me in uh, how easily I was able to navigate through enterprise projects in the past. Um, at the same time, while these constraints keep you focused in what you're doing, uh, you do have to practice getting out of the comfort zone. Uh, you know, the extra effect, effort in understanding principles, color theories, and psychology will take you a long way. Wow, that was an interesting, candid conversation uh, with you, Ujwal. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Um, I'm sure that our listeners will have a lot of learning uh, from this conversation. We're glad um, to host you on the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rohit. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Hey there, we hope you enjoyed our show. Do write to us on ads at the rate avantika.edu.in. We look forward to your opinions, feedbacks and suggestions of speakers you would like us to host on this show. Do tune in our channel next week on Wednesday for a new story on Hub Hopper or wherever you get your podcast from. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you.